Chapter 14 of The House on the Borderland by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Sea of Sleep. For a considerable period after the last incident which I have narrated in my diary, I had serious thoughts of leaving this house, and might have done so but for the great and wonderful thing of which I am about to write. How well I was advised in my heart when I stayed on here, spite of those visions and sights of unknown and unexplainable things. For had I not stayed, then I had not seen again the face of her I loved. Yes, though few know it, none now save my sister Mary, I have loved, and, ah, me, lost. I would write down the story of those sweet old days, but it would be like the tearing of old wounds. Yet after that which has happened, what need have I to care? For she has come to me out of the unknown. Strangely, she warned me, warned me passionately against this house, begged me to leave it, but admitted when I questioned her that she could not have come to me had I been elsewhere. Yet in spite of this, still she warned me earnestly, telling me that it was a place long ago given over to evil, and under the power of grim laws, of which none here have knowledge. And I, I just asked her again whether she would come to me elsewhere, and she could only stand silent. It was thus that I came to the place of the sea of sleep, so she termed it, in her dear speech with me. I had stayed up in my study reading, and must have dozed over the book. Suddenly I awoke and sat upright with a start. For a moment I looked round with a puzzled sense of something unusual. There was a misty look about the room, giving a curious softness to each table and chair and furnishing. Gradually the mistiness increased, growing, as it were, out of nothing. Then slowly a soft white light began to glow in the room. The flames of the candle shone through it palely. I looked from side to side and found that I could still see each piece of furniture, but in a strangely unreal way, more as though the ghost of each table and chair had taken the place of the solid article. Gradually, as I looked, I saw them fade and fade, until slowly they resolved into nothingness. Now I looked again at the candles. They shone wanly, and even as I watched, grew more unreal, and so vanished. The room was filled now with a soft yet luminous white twilight, like a gentle mist of light. Beyond this I could see nothing. Even the walls had vanished. Presently I became conscious that a faint, continuous sound pulsed through the silence that wrapped me. I listened intently. It grew more distinct until it appeared to me that I harked to the breathings of some great sea. I cannot tell how long a space passed thus, but after a while it seemed that I could see through the mistiness, and slowly I became aware that I was standing upon the shore of an immense and silent sea. This shore was smooth and long, vanishing to right and left of me in extreme distances. In front swam a still immensity of sleeping ocean. At times it seemed to me that I caught a faint glimmer of light under its surface, but of this I could not be sure. Behind me rose up to an extraordinary height, gaunt black cliffs. Overhead the sky was of a uniform cold gray color, the whole place being lit by a stupendous globe of pale fire that swam a little above the far horizon 
and shed a foam-like light above the quiet waters. Beyond the gentle murmur of the sea, an intense stillness prevailed. For a long while I stayed there, looking out across its strangeness. Then, as I stared, it seemed that a bubble of white foam floated up out of the depths, and then, even now I know not how it was, I was looking upon, nay, looking into the face of her, ay, into her face, into her soul, and she looked back at me with such a commingling of joy and sadness that I ran toward her blindly, crying strangely to her in a very agony of remembrance, of terror, and of hope to come to me. Yet, spite of my crying, she stayed out there upon the sea and only shook her head sorrowfully. But in her eyes was the old earth light of tenderness that I had come to know before all things, ere we were parted. At her perverseness I grew desperate and essayed to wait out to her, yet, though I would, I could not. Something, some invisible barrier held me back, and I was fain to stay where I was and cry out to her in the fullness of my soul, "'Oh, my darling, my darling!' but could say no more for the very intensity. And at that she came over swiftly and touched me, and it was as though heaven had opened. Yet when I reached out my hands to her, she put me from her with tenderly stern hands, and I was abashed. THE FRAGMENTS AUTHOR'S FOOTNOTE Here the writing becomes undecipherable owing to the damaged condition of this part of the manuscript. Below I print such fragments as are legible. End author's footnote. The legible portions of the mutilated leaves. Through tears. Noise of eternity in my ears. We parted. She whom I love, oh, my God. I was a great time dazed, and then I was alone in the blackness of the night. I knew that I had journeyed back once more to the known universe. Presently I emerged from that enormous darkness. I had come among the stars. Vast time. The sun, far and remote. I entered into the gulf that separates our system from the outer suns. As I sped across the dividing dark, I watched steadily the ever-growing brightness and size of our sun. Once I glanced back to the stars and saw them shift, as it were, in my wake, against the mighty background of night, so vast was the speed of my passing spirit. I drew nigher to our system, and now I could see the shine of Jupiter. Later I distinguished the cold blue gleam of the earthlight. I had a moment of bewilderment. All about the sun there seemed to be bright objects moving in rapid orbits, Inward, nigh to the savage glory of the sun, there circled two darting points of light, and further off there flew a blue shining speck that I knew to be the earth. It circled the sun in a space that seemed to be no more than an earth minute. Nearer with great speed, I saw the radiances of Jupiter and Saturn spinning with incredible swiftness in huge orbits, and ever I drew more nigh and looked out upon this strange sight, the visible circling of the planets about the mother sun. It was as though time had been annihilated for me. 
so that a year was no more to my unfleshed spirit than is a moment to an earthbound soul. The speed of the planets appeared to increase, and presently I was watching the sun all ringed about with hair-like circles of different colored fire. The paths of the planets, hurtling at mighty speed about the central flame, the sun grew fast, as though it leapt to meet me. And now I was within the circling of the outer planets and flitting swiftly toward the place where the earth glimmering through the blue splendor of its orbit, as though a fiery mist circled the sun at a monstrous speed. Author's Footnote The severest scrutiny has not enabled me to decipher more of the damaged portion of the manuscript, it commences to be legible again with the chapter entitled The Noise in the Night. End of author's footnote. End of chapter 14. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.